Amen. 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 Well, God bless you. Thank you for your giving in advance. Thanks to the worship team. Give it up for the worship team. Can you do that? Uh, great job. Perfect songs. Praise God. Uh, man. Uh, just really excited about what God's doing, uh, really excited about Grace Church and excited about our people. Our people, and I know, you know, pastors all over the country say this, our, our people really have a heart uh, to give and to serve and to give into the local community, and ours really do. We just have a, a passion for people and a passion to help people that maybe are down and out for, for a season. We always like to say uh, down and out is just temporary, Amen. As you're going to be, you're going to see this thing through. It's going to be real. And today we're going to talk more uh, about the Holy Spirit and some of just a little bit in depth. And if you've been in church for a while, maybe the first part of this will be a little elementary. The second part, hopefully, will will spur you on. But we have a lot of viewers. Uh, people that watch from different states all around the country, probably 17 or 18 uh, different states. We could start naming them, but we might leave off a few. Just all over the place, we have people watching. And some are from mainline denominations. Some are from different backgrounds. And so we all have a little bit different view or take on the Holy Spirit. And so I want you just to kind of clear your mind for a moment and, and just think just think new, like that song, New Wine. Think, think new wine today. I think it's important for us to not have preconceived notions of what God wants to do with us and through us and in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? To some, the Holy Spirit is just speaking in an unknown tongue. To some, a Holy Spirit comes at a time of confirmation. To some, uh, the Holy Spirit has been uh, ceased somewhat, some of the some of the gifts. To some, it's it's full on and, and all in. And so uh, we, we, because we have a congregation of just many different backgrounds, choose to say, listen, we're going to, we're going to introduce the Holy Spirit, and you get as much of the Holy Spirit as you want, okay? And you just just start to grab. It's kind of like uh, just really a really good ice cream shop. You might have to try one flavor, and then you might have to try another flavor, and then another flavor, and another flavor, and another flavor, uh, until you find the one you like. But God... How many, for how many, you, you're, you like gifts, it's okay, you like to give or get gifts, like it goes both ways, right? Well, God wants to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, okay? And he did this when Jesus said, I'm going to go back and I'm going to give you a gift, I'm going to give you the comforter. At that point in time, two things happened when God give, when Jesus gave the Holy Spirit. One, the end of days started, okay, as was prophesied by Joel in the second chapter, and then Peter rehearses that prophecy. So the end of days. So when someone says, you think we're living in the last days? Yes, we're living in the end of times. Sure we are. We've been living in the end of times since they got filled with the Holy Spirit in the upper room. That was starting the end of days, okay? And then we we look at this gift of the Holy Spirit uh, as, as far as I want to get as much of God, whatever God has for me. And so if God has more for me, I want to grab as much as I can. So we're going to start in Acts and then we'll go over to Psalms. And the first part again, if you're a note taker, you might want to write these down. Some of you might already know many of these things, and that's okay too. We're going to visit for a moment with some of our people who maybe aren't as
as in tune or understanding of the Holy Spirit as possible. Or maybe somebody, man, I know the Holy Spirit, but maybe this is just a different phase. So Acts, the second chapter, verses 1 uh, through 4, when the day of Pentecost arrived, and this is why sometimes people go by the term Pentecostal. Pentecost was the feast. It's the middle feast of the Jewish calendar. So in the spring, you have Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits, and then you have Pentecost, and then you have trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles, okay? So Pentecost is right in the middle. Now, this is the feast for, if you were looking at feasts, these three happen, death, burial, resurrection. These three will happen when Jesus comes back, works, works on uh, the Israelites, and then sets up his millennial reign. So this is the church age. So this, is, this started the church. So it started the two things that started the last days, but it also started the church age. So we're in the church age by the power of Pentecost, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's important to know because some will say, well, I'm filled with the Spirit. I've had the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't get filled. All these different things, and most of them are interpretive truths. You have to know this. Thankfully for the Holy Spirit, we have the church age today. And the church isn't just grace church. The church is the people of God. Amen? So on the day of Pentecost, when it arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is a recuperation, if you will. Let's, let's pray for a second because I think it would be good. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the blessing that it is, the anointing that it is. We just pray you bless every vessel here today that, that hears your word. Let it, let it just speak to them by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can learn and grow together the value, Lord, that you have for each of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so what we see here in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit is given, and again, two things happen. One, the last days officially begin, all right? Jesus ascends up into heaven. They go to the upper room. The last days are beginning, and, it, and there's a lot that happened, like in 70 AD. There's a lot that happened, and people said, do you believe this is the last days? Yes, and they believed it in 70 AD. They believed it in 303 AD. They believed it in 700 AD. They believed it in 1300 with the plague, 1600 with the plague, 1918 with the Spanish flu. We are living in the last days, but don't get messed up by a pestilence. Don't get messed up by uh, social unrest. Don't get messed, by, messed up by political unrest. Don't get messed up by viruses. God is still on the throne. He's still alive, okay? And he still loves every single one of us, right? And so with the Holy Spirit then, we have there's, there's certain attributes that we can, we can walk in as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to give you seven things really quickly, and then we're going to jump over into Psalms and kind of lay out some groundwork here, and then we'll go into more of a, a preaching teaching in, in Psalms. And the reason for that is I want you to get a good foundation of what the Holy Spirit in his supernatural power can do for you. Sometimes we earmark it as a, as a one-time event. I feel like you should get filled with the Holy Spirit every day. 
all right? Just every day get that newness. That when, when they ate manna in the wilderness, that was a form of food from heaven, okay? And they, they had to eat it every day. Well, every day wake up, just fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Just fill me full. Also, when we see in Acts they spoke in different tongues, this is a, this is a recuperation, if you will, of Genesis, the 11th chapter, when they built a tower of Babel, and they were all one mind. They were all one set. They were all one accord. See, there's a, there's a, there's, there's something that happens when you have the right attitude and the right mindset mixed with good obedience and discipline. There's, it's called success. So if I have the right attitude and the right mindset, and my life is disciplined and obedient, I'm going to have success in my endeavors. The opposite then is true as well. If I have a bad attitude, a wrong mindset, if I'm not obedient in my life, lifestyle or discipline, I'm going to have failure, okay? So there's, a, there's the mixture of the two. If, if you decide, I want all of God in me. My attitude is, I'm just going to throw my hands up. I'm going to ask for new wine. I'm going to ask for obedience. I'm going to have the right mindset, the right attitude. I'm going to ask God just to fill me full of everything that he has. Bible says in 1 John, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights from above. God only wants to fill you with good. God can only fill you with good. And so if Jesus is going to give a gift of the Holy Spirit, don't you know it's going to be good? And don't you know it's going to be gentleman-like, okay? And so he fills you with that power and that authority. And then we understand the church age and the last days. And now we understand, God, you have this gift for me. Here's some supernatural things that, that the Holy Spirit will and can do for you. Number one, it's a supernatural way of praising God. When Zephaniah tells us that when our praise goes up, God's glory comes down. We say it here all the time. The best time to praise God is is while you're going through a, a, a trial, while you're in the middle of a struggle. Like, man, God, I need you. See, that's sometimes we want to, like if there was no virus, if there was no social unrest, if there was no political unrest, if everybody's bank account had a million dollars in it, it'd be like, man, I'm going to praise God. Yeah, God. It's when there's a virus and there's social and political unrest and 49.6 million Americans out of work and everybody suffers because it's a trickle-down economic and we, where it's going to happen, what's, what's going to take place? I'm going to praise God anyway. That's when I'm going to praise God first. That's when I praise God for me. That's, that's when I really want to throw my hands up. I, everything's in disarray. What am I going to do? I'm going to praise God. Why? Because Zephaniah 3 and 19 says he'll go back and undo everything that was done to you. Listen, God loves you. He cares for you. He loves us so much he sent his son to die for us. He loves us so much he sent a third person of the Trinity to live inside of us, to act through us. To, to, so there's a supernatural way of praising God. And when, the whole, when, you, when you have the Holy Spirit in you, it's easy to praise God. Even in bad times, like, man, it's, I, I shouldn't be as happy as I am. I'm going to praise God. Things aren't working out. I'm going to praise God. This thing just happened. I'm going to praise God. Oh, you're foolish. No, I don't think so. I think that's the part of God that he wants us. That, that's called faith. That's called trust. That's called belief. That's called hope. And when you place those things in God, it's easy to praise God. Number two, the second one, there's a supernatural way of praying God's will. Not whether you have a prayer language or don't. There's, when you have the Holy Spirit, there's a supernatural way of God starting to pray through. He may wake you up in the middle of the night and start to pray. You might start to pray for somebody that you, man, why did God lay those people on my heart? 
Why did I just get up and... That's God using the Holy Spirit for you to pray His supernatural will for somebody. Now, some of us wake up in the middle of the night, and we might be praying for our needs, or we pray for our family, or we pray for someone in, that we're in tune with, but has God ever woken you up, and you've prayed for somebody that you, maybe you didn't even know, or someone you had, hadn't thought of for years, or somebody that you, that God just brought you to their, their, their memory, your memory. It's like, that's supernatural praying for God's will for people in your life, or situations, those of you who had a prayer language, you might wake up praying in your prayer language, and who knows what you're praying for, but God does, right? And God, and you start to pray in your prayer language, and all of a sudden, this, just, just this beautiful rest comes over you. I, when I wake up in the middle of the night, the first thing I do is pray. One, I, I figure, two, I, one, I figure God's going to wake me up, and if he's waking me up, I'm going to pray. Two, I figure if it's the enemy, the last thing he wants me to do is pray, so then I might fall right back to sleep. Right? So either way, it's a win-win. It's a win for me. It's a win for the kingdom. I get to do God's work. But when the Holy Spirit wakes you up, you know it in your spirit. It's something in your gut. Man, i got to pray for that person. Or God's just really laid that person on my heart. I'm going to pray for them. Number three, there's a supernatural way for praying for others. And again, this is part of it, that one too, the supernatural praying God's will. So we won't stay here, but that's part of it, a supernatural way of of praying for others. When someone comes up to you and they they ask for prayer, a lot of times, and my wife is really good at this, someone will come up and and without them telling her their need, she'll just start to to pray it out. And the Lord will just show her through the power of the Holy Spirit what they have need of and and the different things. And they'll say, how did you know? that. Well, it's just the Holy Spirit, okay? Holy Spirit will show us things on how to pray for other people. When the virus started at first, we man, she, she was all over the, nine, uh, the Psalms 91, and it was just, it was the Lord going before her for the safety of our church and our friends and people, and again, we read that, we quote that, we pray that. Uh, it's a supernatural way of praying for others. Number four, it's a supernatural way of refreshing, it's it's just it's a uh, it's 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 just a cold glass of water. It's a glass of for you all. It's a glass of sweet tea on your front porch. So it's just it's God just it's God just showing us through refreshing. Isaiah here says he'll give us a time of rest. And, and sometimes, especially in society today where we have so much going on, uh, panic attacks, anxiety, virus, again, social and civil unrest, political unrest, all different, every angle, somebody's against somebody else and somebody doesn't understand and, you know, just all the way down to do we wear a mask or not wear a mask or do we go to a store or don't go to a store and I'm not going to do this or I'm going to do that or everybody... Just take a deep breath in the Holy Spirit and just take a rest. Just say, hey, rest here is shalom. It's peace. I just want, I just want my peace, my rest in, in Jesus Christ and the Lord God Almighty. And you'll see that when we morph over to the second part of this message on how, uh, how David really shows us that we can incorporate these things on a daily basis. So a supernatural way of refreshing when you don't know what else to do, but you pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. God starts to bring a perfect peace on you that passes all understanding. It's just so restful and peaceful. The next one then, it's a supernatural way of protection. Job 1 and 10, Satan comes to God uh, in the scriptures, and God says, what are you doing here? 
And Satan says, well, I'm looking. God says, have you, have you considered my servant Job? He says, well, you've got a hedge of protection around about him. You got a, you got, you're, he's covered. There's nothing I can do. And it's like, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's what God does. God protects his own. God loves his own. And I said it in the first service, I'll say it again here. What parent would not protect their child, Right? What, what, what mother would not become mama bear if, if her children, and I don't care if those children are 38, 39, or 40, what mama is not going to protect those children if someone's attacking them? You want to see somebody get riled up, you just say something about our children to Janie. She, she, any parent here would do that, right? It's our job as, as men and women, as fathers and mothers, as husbands and wives, it's our job to protect our children, right? Well, how much more do you think God would protect you? That God is in the protection business. He's the best bodyguard you could ever own. In fact, the Bible says that he will encamp angels around about you. He will place angels there. Bato, he'll put angels right around you. Man, I mean, he just... Boom, he just lays them there. And if you're going through something tough, he'll even add more angels there. So, oh, Bato's up to it again. I need to add 15 more angels. And when you get to heaven, you get to judge those angels. There's a couple times I think my angels may have, like, you know, maybe they were snoozing. Maybe they were sleeping. But maybe they were actually working overtime because they were having to guard me, right? God wants to protect you. When you wake up tomorrow, you need to know that. That's a good thing. There's a supernatural way of protection that the Holy Spirit fills us with because there is angelic hosts all around you. It's a beautiful sight, and God will send war angels and declaration angels and proclamation angels. He'll send angels that, that those angels will give you a word by the power of the Holy Spirit that's straight from the throne room of heaven if it's just in the time of your need. You need to start looking for spiritual things. You need to start looking for things that the Holy Spirit is, is, is guarding you with and guiding you with. The supernatural way of edification, the next one, number, number six. There's a supernatural, supernatural way of glorifying. So Jude, the 20th verse, because there's only one chapter, says building yourself up in praying in the Holy Spirit. So again, we, we believe it's okay and that you will be filled with the presence of God and you'll speak in another language. But at the same time, we don't want to make that the center of everything. Because there's 27 gifts of the Spirit, okay? And yes, you, when you get filled and baptized, one of, one of those uh, uh, noticeable gifts is, being, is, is speaking in an unknown tongue. And if you say, hey, I've never spoken in an unknown tongue, Pastor, do I have the Holy Spirit? Listen, God gives his gifts. You've been given gifts. Now, you can get as much of that gift as possible, all right? Just keep going. But if you want to grow into that gift, if you need to taste all the flavors of the ice cream while you're going, then go that route too. I don't know that we all have an exact handle on it to say, oh, it's got to be this way or no other way. I think God's bigger than that. <laughs> I think God is way bigger than that, okay? Yes, we believe in speaking in unknown tongues in this church. I practice it nearly daily, all right? So you're, we, we, we do that. But I don't want to look down on people that don't do that. I think that's wrong as a Christ follower's sake. I think it's also arrogant and haughty if we start doing that too. We need to allow people to grow at, the, at whatever level God wants them to grow. Make sense? So, but, but the Holy Spirit will bring in edification. He'll bring in, he'll bring in uh, uh, encouragement in your spirit. Pray, pray the scriptures. 
Pray the scriptures. Pray in your unknown tongue. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit just to, to pray through you and, and, and ask the Lord for, for more of him. Last but not least, a supernatural way of evangelism. And this is really cool because in the scriptures, God sends out seven, or Jesus sends out 72 by 2, and it says these signs will follow them. There's, there's different things. And so we can evangelize. But again, in, in our church, uh, there's been a small group of us that we've knocked on over 20,000 doors in, in the last year and a half, uh, maybe two years now in Hickory. And of course, we haven't done for the last five months or so because of, of the virus. But that's good evangelism. But evangelism, evangelism goes beyond that. It, it, it's sitting across the table from somebody, uh, maybe in a park. It's maybe running along somebody and, and getting to know them right where they're at. It's inviting people in before they actually belong. Maybe, maybe allowing them to become as part of uh, Grace Church without uh, trying to change them right off the bat. Amen? Maybe it's just getting a, let's just, Let's not work on even changing people. Let's, let's ask the Holy Spirit to change people. Let's, let's become relational with people to where we can really understand who they are, maybe a little bit of their background, what maybe, maybe not why are they are the way they are, but who they are. And once we start to learn who they are, then the Lord starts to open doors. Jesus took uh, 12 really social outcasts. I mean, he took misfits. To, to build his team around, and 2,000 years later, we're still preaching the gospel based because of 11 of those, of those misfits that, that maybe didn't even know anything, but Jesus just spent time with them. So spend time with people that the Lord brings to you, maybe a neighbor, a family member, a friend, uh, someone you don't even know, someone you've met at the, at the coffee shop or at the dog park or running the trail, someone that you just come up against, maybe just, just start to learn, ask questions, get to know them. That's evangelism. That's, that's Jesus type of evangelism. Yeah, the hand and see at the door, praying for people like we have. That's all really, really good stuff. I think that's stuff that we're called to do. I think that's stuff that we're mandated to do. But better, better yet, the stuff that Jesus would have us do is meeting people one-on-one. That's even better. We're going to turn over to, to Psalms now. And I, I, want, I want you to know, uh, first of all, that I, I listen to some motivational tapes. I read motivational books occasionally, and, and it's not, my whole life isn't wrapped around that, but every now and then I'll listen to certain people. And I was reading this week, and I just, I, I, I just, I heard, or I read, I read David a lot out of the Psalms, and, and uh, every, well, probably for the last three years, I guess, I, I read uh, Psalms 23 every day, uh, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew uh, 6, 3 through 9 every day, the Prayer of Jabez, 1 Chronicles uh, 10, or 1 Chronicles 4, 9, and 10. Then I, I, I quote the Apostles' Creed. And, uh, and, and part of it is just a belief system. And then I pray, I have a series of prayers, people I pray for, family members, extended family members, uh, siblings on my wife and mine side. And in different countries, I have, different, I have a real extensive uh, prayer time. One reason I say that is in January, when I started, when I, when I, as I was praying, there's a part of uh, this particular psalm that we're going to read that just grabbed a hold of me, and I, and I just, I, I just needed to mo- know more and more about it. And so, uh, David this morning would be like that motivational speaker. Like if you know, I don't know, maybe we should have had like you at the organ or something, just doing a little. I think so. 
we're, we're going to go to Psalms 23, and let's go to verse 1. It, it, like, you, you can't read this or, or say this like if you were at a funeral service. That, that's when this is quoted the most or, or written or read the most is at a funeral service. I need you to understand this morning that this is, not, this is more like David being a motivational speaker for you, and he's getting ready to lay some things on you on how you can do it. Like this, you're gonna, this is going to work out. Why? Because God's going to make it work out. And Janie had the, the three-word phrase at the beginning of the year, God's got this. God's got this. And this is really what David's saying. So David wrote it in the field as a teenager. He rehearsed it in the cave as probably a 20-something, and then he practiced it as a king for 30 or almost 40 years, okay? So he wrote it in his youth, he rehearsed it in his time of need, but then he practiced it as a leader. Now, that's important to know because I think sometimes we do it a disservice when we just say it at a, at a funeral service or we just say it at a kind of a, a, a somber event. We need, to, we need to wake up in the morning and we need to say this thing and we need to be jacked up when we say it because this is David and this is a motivational. So, in other words, David would say something like this. The, he was like, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Like, he's, now he's, he's trying to drive a point home. The Lord is my Jehovah Rohi. He's my shepherd. He's my owner. The, sh- the shepherd was the owner. It wasn't just a sheep herder. It was the owner. And so David is saying, Lord, you're my owner. In fact, everything I am, I am because of you. Everything I have is yours, including me. And that's a really powerful statement when we say, the Lord is my shepherd. And sometimes we breeze through things. And we're like, man, I'm just going to say it. i got to hurry up and quote it. I can do it in like seven or eight seconds, and boom, I want to be done. No, let's stop for a second because Jehovah Rohi is my shepherd. That's important because David knew that. And he says, I shall not want Jehovah Jireh. Now he's my provider. I have nothing I have that I want. In fact, he's saying my, my trust, my hope, my belief, my faith, my confidence is in God Almighty. He is the one that is going to control me. So that when there's a virus or when there's a social unrest or political unrest or there's a layoff or anything, you can say the Lord is my shepherd. He's going to take care of me. He's going to take charge of me. He's in charge. I don't have him on hold when I need him. He's an everyday part of my life. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse number two, David goes on to say again, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. We have, um, we're part owner of a really cool dog and, and Andrew and Emily are the other owners, and they're doing a great job uh, just taking care of him and, and uh, training him uh, with another dog in the church. And so uh, we have, by our pool, we have some really cool flowers. We don't know what the names are. They're kind of wiry. They're not really tall. They're green, really vibrant green, and then they have really beautiful purple flowers on it. And they're only like this tall. And there's two really nice patches of them. Well, Bo, our dog, when he's over, he likes to nestle himself in those flowers. And he's just smashing them down. And it's like, Bo, get out of the flowers. And then I just realized one day, they're going to grow back, hopefully. But he, apparently they're like, they're soft to him. It's like, it's just, it's a comfort place. It's better than the concrete. Apparently it's better than the, uh, my grass. These flowers are just perfect. And he just goes over there and Janie will kind of yell at him. And he just looks at her when he just lays himself down. 
It's like, like, do something about it. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. This is God finding out that perfect shady spot on the hillside, and he's going to allow you to lie down. He's going to take charge of you because he looks out for you. He leads me beside the, the still waters. In other words, like, like uh, no movement. We were walking around Bass Lake the other day up in Blowing Rock, and Janie and I were walking, and we saw some people that were over on the side, and you could see the reflection in the water. It was like, look, honey, look at how calm that water is. Look how, look how cool that is. And so my in-laws came down a, a month or a month and a half ago and drove down, and, and uh, Janie wanted them, uh, Jess, my father-in-law, to take the boys uh, fishing. And so we have a little, there's a little pond uh, by, by a, a golf course that I golf at, and, uh, and uh, I've never seen any fish in that pond at all. And Janie said, you think we could take them fishing there? I'm like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be good. We'll see what your dad's got. <laughs> see, and uh, they caught 13 fish out of that pond. Thir 13 fish. One of them was like this. Jonah caught seven. Our, our grandson caught seven. Uh, Brady caught a couple. Selah. Selah's three. She caught two. And, like, she, she would cast it in, Daddy, I want to reel it in. So Marcus, our son, and, uh, well, Selah, you got to wait. No, Daddy, I'm going to reel it in. She caught two, just throwing it out and reeling it in. And it was just a perfectly calm day. Didn't know there was any fish. He leads me besides still waters. Like there's no wave. There's no current. There's no undercurrent. There's no riptide. There's nothing that's going to grab you and pull you in. God only wants good things for you. He only wants what is best. Number three, he goes on and says, he restores my soul. So he's a God of restoration. He leads me in the path of righteousness. That's Jehovah Sid Canoe. He is my righteousness. And all of our works, good works are as filthy rags. It's only good in us is from God. And so he leads me in the path of righteousness. Why? For his namesake. David is rehearsing the eight Jehovah's as we're walking through Psalms 23. He's my shepherd. He's my righteousness. He's my provider. He's my healer. That's the, the word restore there means he heals. He heals my soul. So now he's Jehovah M. Kadesh. Listen, church, I'm throwing a lot at you, but you have to know this is David waking up saying, Bato, Chip, you can do it, Will. It's yours. Are you with me? Church, this is David, King David, of whose line Jesus came through is saying, wait, you don't have to listen to all the motivational guys. Just grab David in the morning and say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and lead me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Number four, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now listen to me for a second. I wish it said, if I walk through the valley of shadow of death. And he's not talking about passing from life to, from earth to heaven. He's talking about trials that you and I are going to have to go through. He's talking about places where you will find yourself one morning waking up, how did I get here? Maybe it was just God allowing you to go there so that he could show himself faithful because that's what God does. And when I walk through that valley of the shadow of death, mm -mm, I ain't fear no evil. I'm not fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. The rod and thy staff, 
And that staff, David would take his staff and he would write a testimony on it. Oh, this is when I killed the bear. This is when I killed the wolf. This is when I killed the lion. This is when I defeated Goliath. This is, I understand. So those are testimonies. We used to have testimony services back in the day, and the testimonies got kind of weird and out of hand. They became prayer requests, and all of a sudden you had somebody talking for 22 minutes, and God never got glorified. A testimony glorifies God. And a real testimony is something you've hidden in your heart so that when you, when you understand, I'm going through this place before. Wait a second. God healed my one daughter in the womb. God healed my one son out of the womb. God healed my wife six years ago. Wait a second. God got me jobs when I didn't, couldn't get one. God, God always provided for us. No, God, you're going to see us through this too. You'll get us through a virus. You'll get us through a, a political or social or civil unrest. You'll get us through, God, you're in charge. I will fear no evil. Why? You will comfort me. Now he's Jehovah Shalom. He's peace. He's a God of peace and comfort. Listen, David writes this in the field, but he rehearses it with 400 angry men in the cave of Dulam want him and he becomes their leader. And they all come out of the cave and now he becomes their king. Verse number five, it gets a little worse. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now this is called the Burdean law. This law is almost 6,000 years old. The law from the Middle Eastern is this. If an enemy needs your help, you are not to kill or wound that person. You are to restore them back to life. This is what happened to Marcus Luttrell, the lone survivor, the Navy SEAL, who his three uh, compatriots died. And he was picked up by a man who was on the other side, who nursed him to health and sacrificed his family while doing it. It's called the Bourdain Law. This is Jesus saying, or David saying, Jesus saying through David, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemy when everything around you seems like it's up, just up, up on end. When everything around you is disheveled, when there is no peace, God is saying, come to the table, son or daughter. Let's break bread together. It's going to be all right. God's got this. God's got this. It, it's going to be okay. God's got this. What do you mean? See, God sees the future. God sees the past, and it doesn't bother him. Neither one makes him nervous. He makes a table at the, before me in the presence of mine enemies. So in other words, it's like once that Berdean law takes place and that man makes it inside the house, technically no other of the enemy can visit that house. They have to obey the law. They have to, they have to allow that person to eat or be fed or be restored. When you dine at Jesus' table, there's not a devil in hell that can bother you. You have to know that, and you have to have peace on that. It's when we keep opening the door and sticking our head out and seeing if he's there. Stop. Just dine with the Lord. But then this next part, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. I've, 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 I've been rehearsing this since January 1. On this part of Psalms, I, I go over and over and over, and I get stuck there. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Well, oil here is such a signifier of the Holy Spirit. You anoint my head with the Holy Spirit, my cup overflows. And we all of a sudden think, well, that cup means blessing and favor. And No, this cup overflows because he's rushing the enemy away from you, not to you. He's rushing pestilence away from you, not to you. He's rushing disaster away from you, not to you. And so I was, I was concerned about the, the head with oil. And so I start researching uh, shepherds. 
and, and their sheep. What, 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 what's different? I found out that most sheep uh, will carry up to 60 pounds of wool on their body, enough to make uh, 20 male adult suits. Think about that. That's a lot of baggage to carry around. And sometimes they would shave their head, and then when they would shave their head, they would put oil on their head because uh, lice and fleas and ticks and flies would batter the, the, she- the head of the sheep so bad that they would ram their head into trees until they would give themselves a concussion or knock themselves out or break their skull and die. In fact, in 2008, I believe it was, 1,500 sheep in Scotland ran off the side of a cliff. Why? Because the first one had a problem with fleas and ticks, ran off, and all the other sheep just followed, 400 of which died. Thou anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. See, the enemy wants to get in your head. The enemy wants to tell you it's not going to work out. You're never going to be anything. You're just, you're just this way or you're just that way or you can never forget the past. That's, you can never, no, God wants to anoint your head with oil. That's why we have a helmet of salvation on. That's why we have a breastplate of righteousness. When we understand that in Christ, all right, in Christ we are new creatures, then all of a sudden I don't have to worry about it. He anoints my head with oil. In other words, the, I have... What I started with, if my attitude and my mindset are right, if my life is disciplined and I'm obedient to God's word, I'm going to be successful. If I choose not to have a good attitude, if I choose to, to, be, to walk in disobedience, if I choose to have a poor mindset, like it's never going to work out. If I choose those things in my life, then I'm going to be a failure in the kingdom of God. Oh, I might be successful in other areas, but in the kingdom of God. Because God said he would anoint your head with oil. In other words, he's going to get rid of those things. He's going to move those things. He's going to rid those things. Let's go to verse number six and we'll finish. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hear me. Hear me. In my Bible, I've written next to goodness and mercy, friends, goodness and mercy are friends that you want to. They're bodyguards. God's placed bodyguards around you called goodness and mercy. And they're going to follow you all the days of your life. Wherever you go, if you allow the Holy Spirit in your life, goodness and mercy, they're going to follow you. They're going to take care of you. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That word dwell means camp. Now, I'm not a big camper, but I do know some things about camping, having camps in the past. One of the key things you want to do when you set the tent up is you want to drive stakes in the ground. Make sure that tent's not going anywhere. You want those stakes to hold firm and hold clear. So he says, and I shall camp in the house of the Lord. I'm driving a stake down right here, right here, right here, right here. Lord, you are mine and I am yours. I'm making a camp here. Would you stand with me right where you are? We're going to sing one more song. If you're comfortable doing so, just raise your hands just up kind of up towards heaven. Whether you have the Holy Spirit or not, first of all, let's, uh, let's approach Jesus. If you don't have Jesus, you just really need to say, Jesus, I want you as the Lord of my life. I want you as the King of my soul. If you have the Holy Spirit, but it's been a while since you felt like the indwelling, the peace of God, the, the perfect peace that passes all understanding, then just ask the Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, help fill me with the Holy Spirit right now. In fact, as a believer, you should ask every day, Lord, fill me with that Holy Spirit, that precious Holy Spirit. He won't make you do anything weird, anything you don't want to do. 
He's a perfect gift from above. So, Father, I pray right now with hands lifted, eyes closed, hearts open. I pray, Lord, you just fill us full of your sweet spirit right here and right now. Lord, let the Holy Spirit flow within us. Lord, give us peace that passes understanding. Restore us, Father. Use us, God. We count on you. Lord, you are ours and we are yours. In Jesus' name we pray. I'll see you again. God bless you.
wisdom to get through these situations that we're in. We need that Holy Spirit to come in and He's the peace when we don't know what to do, we don't know how to answer, or if we're just maybe sad or we have anger. Whatever our issues are, there's just so much right now. And I think everybody probably would really agree that your life kind of feels like a roller coaster right now. Well, Pastor's saying your life should be like ice cream. You have every flavor to go pick from. He loves ice cream. So, you know, I was sitting there thinking, I thought, you know, Neapolitan comes. I could be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So get yourself some Neapolitan and take all three and let all three work for you. Don't be afraid of it. And I, I love how he just made it so beautiful this morning that it's just a beautiful gift that, that God wants to give you to help you get through these these hard times. He wants to be our protector, our restorer. I loved all of it. It was just, it was just so good. So this week, maybe just take with you encouragement to um, maybe get in your word. And if you say, you know what, Janie, I'm just not really sure even where to start or how to start with reading. Maybe just get Psalms and just start with Psalms 1 this, this week and just read that Psalm. And then when you're done with it, just step back and say, what did I hear out of that? What did, what one thing can I take away of how I can apply that song to my life this week or this day? And then throughout that day, you just think on that. And then just say, Holy Spirit, would you just fall afresh? Would you just bring freshness to, to my life? And just pray that real quick. Just say, I'm ready for something fresh. I'm not afraid. I'm not going to walk in fear. But I think if we would maybe go through Psalms a little bit, if, if you have time, maybe just add in that, that one, one chapter every day and then reflect on it and say, what did I, what did I get from that today? see a lot of stuff in there as as pastor brought forth today just from psalms how cool was that and how many millions of time have we heard the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down when we can quote it we love it but when you just stop and just take it a little bit word by word you get so much more out of it so try that this week and then reflect on what you heard what you received and then just find time to say holy spirit would you just come in deeper just want to know you closer. I want to know you deeper. I want to be more like Jesus, and that's what the Holy Spirit will do for you. Amen. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much that you are so amazing. You are so good to us, and the gifts that you have for us are incredible. So, Lord, we just say, fall afresh upon us. Just allow your Spirit to teach us new things, and your anointing to bring us peace and protection and restoration, that, Lord, everything we do would bring you honor and praise and glory to the name of the Lord Most High. We thank you that you are good. We give you all the praise and all the glory for who you are, for what you are, and for what you are about to do in our lives. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.